Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am rejoined by guest Michael Zaparski. Michael, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Great to be with you again. In this episode, we're going to talk about how consultants can sell into larger organizations in the current economic client. So what's working now? But first, can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, so I've been uh, building, running, um, having fun with consulting businesses for uh, over two decades. And the last 13 of that, uh, we've been working with consultants all around the world, uh, helping them to build more uh, profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. Um, so we've had a couple thousand uh, consultants we've worked closely with through different training programs, coaching programs, um, and we built a, a great team that this is really what we do every single day is help consultants uh, to grow their businesses. So it's a lot of fun. Love it. Great. It, so having that broad a cross-section of the consulting market, like exposure to that larger group, mm -hmm. what what are the current challenges? What's working right now? You know, if, you know, are, are budgets tightening up? Are people concerned about different things in terms of the clients? Uh, what do you, what's working for people you're working with? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's very timely uh, because we've been seeing this uh, across many conversations with, with different clients. Um, also, uh, through the Consulting Success Podcast, where I'm talking to, to different successful consulting business owners. And so it, it really is impacting a wide range of, of different organizations, um, you know, whether it's the solo consultant uh, or even consulting firms that you know, have 10, 20, 150 plus consultants. Um, this, is, this is coming up and it's definitely impacting a lot of people. So before we get into you know, what the impacts are and some maybe considerations for people as well as some principles that they might want to apply. One thing that I will say just as uh, kind of a, a distinction or an important point is that what I'll share is not necessarily being seen by everyone. There are certain industries, uh, for example, if you're working in, you know, in the AI space right now or in some areas around uh, machine learning or technology, uh, you might not be seeing uh, some of these things. I talked with a a consultant that specializes in the fundraising kind of sector and she's having her best year ever. So uh, this is not a blanket across you know every industry or every type of consultant, but certainly the, the patterns have emerged and uh, I think they are um, you know apparent enough that it's really important that people at least know what's happening and uh, and can consider it and, and plan for it uh, so that regardless of, of where they are, they can kind of come through the other side. Uh, thriving rather than potentially struggling. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So, yeah, what are the patterns? Uh, you, you mean you hit the nail on the head uh, in terms of the starting point, Jonathan, which is budgets, uh, organizations. So, you know, buyers uh, are definitely uh, holding their budgets with a much firmer grasp than than they were before. Um, and so, it doesn't mean the budgets aren't there. It doesn't mean that business isn't happening. It doesn't mean that organizations aren't making investments uh, and bringing in you know external consultants or, or advisors they still are that's all happening uh, it's just that the sales cycles have slowed down it's taking buyers longer to make decisions they're more thoughtful with their decisions and depending on the size of the organization uh, decisions now require more more input and more people uh, where previously uh, you know a department head may have had, a certain budget and they could just make that decision by themselves if they thought that it was necessary uh, now many organizations are requiring that they check with somebody above them or they take it to a board meeting or so just you know overall 
the the sales cycle has slowed down. It's being extended, uh, and it's taking longer for uh, for buyers to to make decisions. So that's that's one really big one. The other one is that if it's not necessary, it's not being bought right now. And what I mean by that is, you know, if we rewind the tape a little bit and look back a couple of years ago, uh, and you know, even a year and a half or so ago, organizations in general were if, if they saw that they could make an improvement, if they saw they could add a new feature, um, you know, if something looked like it would help them, uh, they would throw money at it, right? Money was was cheaper, um, and the um, kind of the thought process, the the beliefs, just how people were were looking at making decisions, they were moving much faster, and so uh, that has has shifted um, pretty dramatically. Where if an organization doesn't deem something to be necessary, if they don't see that it's going to add you know, pretty significant value right now, they're just going to hold off. It doesn't mean that they won't do it, but they're probably not going to do it now. It's not going to be a top priority. So that's really important for, you know, consultants and, and advisors to keep in mind, uh, is how do you essentially position what you're offering in front of buyers so that it is necessary? Um, previously, again, you know, you may have focused on how can we just make something better? How can we um, you know, add a new feature um, or, or a benefit. Buyers these days are really reluctant to jump on that. And what they're actually looking for now and thinking about is, is this necessary? And if it's not, again, they're probably going to hold off um, and kind of put that in the backseat for a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely seen a few people in my uh, community, my coaching community mm-hmm. who are in sectors where this is clearly happening. Like they, they noticed a definite slowdown. Things are harder. They take longer. Uh, there's, like you said, more more deliberation around the purchase. Uh, but also, to your point, it's not happening everywhere. There are uh, definitely am seeing different things happen with diff- you know people having their best year uh, and just getting you know, just having a lot of success. Oh, yeah. But I, I imagine, I mean, that happened. I remember in the in 2008 mm-hmm. that that recession or whatever you want to call it that didn't hit me until like 2011 it didn't hit Mm -hmm. my clients until like three or four years later but it rolled it ended up rolling through so even if you're having a great year right now stay tuned because it could be that you know it it could be that you'll be facing something like this in the future so get your pens out take notes (laughs) (laughs) no i mean you're you're making a a really good point i was speaking with a a consultant um just the other day has a team about 25 people and she was sharing with me that one thing that they're doing right now uh, is just planning. So they're not necessarily uh, implementing any big drastic changes inside of their business right now, but they're planning for different scenarios. You know, if we lose this major client, how do we handle that? What do we do with with team members? Do we have to let somebody go? Do we need to readjust? Um, you know, they're they're really starting just to be more thoughtful. Uh, and so again, even if your business is booming right now, that's fantastic. But it's worthwhile to just consider some of these things that we're talking about and that are happening uh, out there, you know, around you in in this kind of current climate and environment, because as you mentioned, even if it's not impacting you right now, it might start to impact you. Um, and this is a good thing to also be thinking about in terms of how you show up and have conversations with your current clients or, or past clients to, um, to see if there's ways that they might not be uh, thinking about certain things right now that through a conversation with you, they might start thinking about these things. And so now you actually become a, a really, um, you know, an additional kind of source of value or a really good thinking uh, partner with them. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so uh, what is, what is the advice? Be patient. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stick, you know, uh, keep following up. I mean, what's the what's working for people in a scenario like this? Yeah, I mean, there's there's four principles that um, we're spending quite a bit of time talking with our clients about. And before I get into those, you know, maybe just a couple other quick points that might be helpful for people um, as they're thinking about the environment and, and the current climate. Um, and the first one there is that buyers are also avoiding uh, bigger engagements as a starting point. And again, this is not across you know every single business or, or every industry, but we're seeing this a lot where previously buyers would be happy if they saw the value in an engagement, um, you know, they'd write a, a big check and get going. We're now seeing buyers looking at an engagement, looking at, you know, working with uh, a firm or a consultant, and they're not as quick to pull the trigger on a big engagement. So one of the lessons there, or one of the opportunities for a consultant today is to think about how can they really create a discovery offer? How can they find a starting point that is deemed uh, as necessary uh, and very relevant uh, for that ideal client um, and lead with that. And when you do that, right, it's it, it's kind of like the Trojan horse, right? You get your foot in the door. Once, once you're there, uh, then you're able to find ways to create more value to kind of expand uh, that engagement and ultimately still generate a, a larger engagement. But um, if you're trying to lead with a much bigger project. And even if that worked for you before, you might start noticing that it's not going to be working as well for you right now. So that's one thing I'd say. The other one is just a kind of a higher level idea, but it's something that we're seeing coming up a lot. Uh, And so I think it's important for people to at least acknowledge this. And that is that many buyers right now, many companies right now are looking to do more with less, right? So in some situations, they've let go a whole bunch of full-time people, um, and that doesn't mean that they have fewer problems today. They might have the same number of problems, or in many cases, they actually have more problems because they're trying to solve the problems they had before with fewer people and fewer resources. So for you as a consultant, that's actually a big opportunity um, because you can help them to to solve those problems or to make improvements um, and tell them to get kind of more done with less. But I just had a conversation yesterday with a, a client that works in the UX space and this is an opportunity that they just realized kind of came up in our conversation that their messaging had not yet shifted to um, this kind of thinking that is clearly happening in, in their market with the specific types of clients that they serve. So uh, I would highly recommend that people look at your marketing, whether you run ads or not, or you know you send emails or you're, you're, you're publishing content. Are, are you addressing you know, what your ideal clients and what the marketplace is thinking about right now? Uh, if your messaging is the same as it's always been, and it's not recognizing some of these shifts in the current climate that we're in, uh, that might be an opportunity for you to actually start to see better results, higher levels of response, uh, and again, just make your overall messaging uh, resonate better with those that that you do, you know, want to ultimately serve. Mm, always a good idea to revisit that stuff, especially when you've got big, sort of national news level changes. Any anything that looks like it's going to be sticking around for three months, six months. I mean, people have been talking about recession fears for like since the middle of last year, at at least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your, your website is not like a museum. You can go in there and change it and update it regularly. What, you know, when I say website, everything, all the messaging around that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's always good advice, no matter what the situation is to be empathetic to what's on the mind of your ideal buyer. And, 
if there's something that you can help them with that's on their mind, then that should be reflected in your materials. It's like, you know, one-on-one. So that's, yeah. yeah so pr- definitely a great tip. I think there's also, you know, like there's a real fine balance between acknowledging what's happening around you um, and kind of choosing to, to accept it. So uh, in my case, I'm an optimist, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I, I look at the, um, you know, the language or the media or the news of, of, and, you know, and the kind of signs of recession and I go, okay, like, yeah, but sure. But it's not going to change, you know, the, the approach that we're taking, or it's not going to change the, the energy that we bring to working with our clients. Or when we look at our, how we're making investments today, when I see what's going on around us, to me, that's a sign of like why we need to invest even more uh, to get more help or to accomplish more. Uh, it doesn't, I'm not looking at this news going, this is time to put our head in the sand and just hope that things go well. At the same time, just because that's my mindset doesn't mean that I should not acknowledge what you know our ideal clients and the market that we want to serve, what they're thinking. And so that's you know back to the point we just talked about around messaging is that you want to strike that balance of not let all this news and uh, and what you might be experiencing as a slowdown in the marketplace hold you back from taking big action. If anything, this is um, a better time to take big action because many people won't do that. They're going to hold off. They're going to pull back. And when they do that, you know they're they're not going to make much progress. But if you're pushing forward, and you're taking action. Um, you're not not only will you survive this most likely, but you're going to thrive and come out on the other side um, significantly ahead of all those that are kind of putting their their head in the sand. But it's um, a good opportunity to leapfrog people if you yeah. got the cash flow to do it. And, you know, and I, I like your point about bringing an abundance mindset to mm-hmm. to the clients who are maybe in, a, you know, thinking of things in a different way. They've got different demands. They've got they've made different promises to their constituents, wherever they may be. And they're responding to different things. But if you if you bring that same, you know, you can update your messaging to speak to them because it's about them, not you. But then still bring that positive abundance mindset to the engagement itself. So love it completely. Um, all right. So, yeah, before we before we move forward, I wanted to linger. I wanted to jump back a little bit and linger on this sort of the idea of starting with a, a you called it a Trojan horse engagement. Like <laughs> uh, what are this is a hot topic. Always people are interested yeah. in like what for folks who are used to doing big projects and and just having phases of the project as one big thing. What's a what is a piece or maybe some examples of pieces that you see your you know your audience break off as an initial piece a lot of times in this software space you might might call it a roadmap might call it a system architecture might mm-hmm. call it a blueprint uh, and they're usually uh, they're usually like a fixed price thing some people will do them variable price based on value or based on the potential follow-on engagement but largely speaking they're generally fixed priced and and they they'll you know it'll be like maybe 10 to anywhere from like 10 to 20 hours of work spread out across anywhere from like three to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's, it's five grand or it's 25 grand or it's 65 grand or whatever it is, it is. And it's sort of a, not take it or leave it, but it, you know, when, when clients come along or prospects come along, they're like, Oh, that's how much this is. Right. I can see the benefits of it right here on this label this package Mm -hmm. this sales page and uh, i can make a buying decision about that and perhaps bring it to my handlers for approval or not but you know is that just my little software development corner of the world like what are other people doing for these kind of uh, starter engagements yeah so a lot of the elements that you just outlined there jonathan uh, are certainly applicable to to other industries 
I'll touch on this maybe a little bit as well. We'll kind of go over some of those, the four principles, because this is aligned with number three um, that we'll, we'll look at. But uh, discovery offers that, that we see, so we are kind of, we refer to them typically as discovery offers. Uh, the way that you name them, I mean, you know, you mentioned blueprint uh, or system architecture or uh, a roadmap. Uh, the naming isn't as important. However, there are certain uh, naming conventions that in some industries will actually um, hurt you more than help you. For example, some people refer to them as an assessment. Well, in some industries, an assessment simply says to the buyer, hey, we're going to pay you to like learn, to try and learn about our business. And a lot of buyers don't want to pay you to learn about their business. Right. They want you to already know about their business or know about the industry. Uh, in others, the word audit, oh, right? right? So yeah. fill in the blank audit. Uh, to some, that connotation, it's, well, like, I don't really want somebody to audit me. Like, that's just, you know, it, it doesn't feel right. Um, so that, that is something that you want to uh, consider, depending on what industry you're in. Most of the discovery offers that, that we see, so across the board, they tend to range somewhere between 1500 to 15000 That's not a hard number. It's not a rule. Sometimes people, you know, might creep up above that and be at twenty or 25000 But typically, the goal of the, this, the discovery offer is just to get your foot in the door. And so if you're getting up to, like, for example, we had one client who's in the real estate field that um, wanted to get some feedback on a discovery offer, they're positioning it as an $87,000 deal. We looked at it and said, you know, that's, it's not that it can't work, but that's going to take somebody a little bit more time to think about than if you can break a piece off of this and offer something for, for example, 8,700 or 15,000 or, right. And so this is, again, the whole thing about these offers is that it's meant to be a no brainer, easy decision. There's very little risk involved. Um, and the thinking behind it is that if a buyer is not going to say, you know, if they can't say yes to, for example, 15,000, why would they say yes to 150,000? Right. And so the positioning of these offers is simply to not, it's not for it to be a standalone offer that you go in and deliver and you're done. The buyer needs to see that this is just the starting point. Uh, and it's the first thing that needs to happen typically to get them moving in the right direction to achieve their ultimate goal. So if their goal, let's just say simply is to, um, you know, to ship a, 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 a new product, well, the discovery offer is not going to allow them to ship the, the new product, but it's the first thing that needs to be done in order to ship that product effectively without waste, you know, more profitably on time, so forth. Uh, so that's really what, what we tend to look at is what is the first thing that you would typically do anyways with a client on a project that is necessary in order for them to have a positive result and uh, is also going to really help them to ensure that they're getting that uh, that project started on on the right foot. So how can you help them to eliminate waste? How can you help them to to make things more profitable? How can you really demonstrate and show some progress. So it's not going to get deliver the ultimate result, but it's going to give them some result or a quick win or help them to see that, you know, they're not much clearer about the path forward. And now they're going to feel much more comfortable, much more confident to say, okay, I see that we've made some progress here, or we've even got a quick win or some, you know, some value. You're not just somebody who says something, you actually, you know, do what you say. Now we feel much more confident in making uh, a significantly bigger investment. So that's, that's really the first way that we tend to look at it is what is the, the starting point for any given project or um, kind of program or, or offer that you have. The other, however, is in some cases, it might just be, for example, finding a very timely topic to deliver a workshop on or 
um, you know, some kind of experience that again, gets your foot in the door, allows you to demonstrate value to, you know, create a, some sort of a result or, uh, or show some progress. And it's really now just, it's starting to form that relationship and a higher level of, of trust. So the buyer feels more comfortable to, to do more work with you. So that's really what people want to think about is, you know, what's going to be most relevant for your ideal client. Um, if you're offering a starting point in terms of discovery offer, but that's not really what the, your ideal client wants. You know, if, if they're interested in shipping products and the first thing that you're talking about is, well, no, what we need to do is, um, you know, a deep analysis of X, but that's not what they want. That's not what they, you know, they think is valuable. You're going to have, it's just going to be a more challenging to sell that to them. So you want to find how can we position what we're offering as what the marketplace really wants, where they see value in. Uh, hopefully there's some alignment over those two. And that's where you begin. Um, that's where we, we tend to see people have some really great success. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for going a little bit deeper on that. And for folks who are kind of excited about this idea and want to hear more, search for the Alex Hillman episode on this very here podcast. Uh, cool. So let's move on because that was perfect. Um, so uh, I think you said you have four principles. Is that what you called them? Yeah. Call them, call them principles, ideas, themes. Um, it's really the the kind of advice or talking points that we've been sharing or, or discussing with clients quite a bit, you know, on around the topic of how to sell into organizations, um, how to, you know, move deals forward, given the current climate that, you know, many people are, are experiencing that we've already talked about. So we can go over those four when, if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so the first is, is focus. And uh, this really looks like if you've, you know, let's say you have five or, or six different services or, or offerings, now's a great time to really look at those more closely. And instead of trying to offer a whole bunch of different things and spread your kind of marketing, your messaging uh, kind of wide and thin, uh, this is a time to to be much more focused, to find what's been working uh, and what is going to be most relevant for the marketplace and, and lean into that, uh, you know, to really stand out, to really be known for something. Um, this is a good time to be, to be doing that. So think focus over, over going kind of wide. Mm -hmm. um, the second, and, and feel free if you want to jump in on any of these, Jonathan. Or well, yeah. So, that. yeah. So focus. So that particular kind of focus is around your sort of product and service offerings. Mm -hmm. So, and, and ideal client, I would say too. Is, okay. Is the other yeah. That's part my of question. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like what's been working, what of your offerings, what is the most relevant now to your ideal buyer and position that like go really hard on that positioning double down correct yeah. yeah like it, it, so this is again it's, it's like looking at every aspect of your business and really figuring out what's been working for us and what hasn't and let's not try now to to expand and try and improve on things that haven't necessarily been working for us this is a time to identify what's been working and just make that better and do more of that um because for many organizations again this is not going to be everybody but for for many they're not going to have the luxury to to just throw stuff at the wall and kind of see what sticks. Uh, this is a time where you, you do want to be thinking about cash flow. You want to be thinking about um, you know making sure that the business is is really strong to survive anything that that might slow down um, you know what you've been experiencing to this point. So to get through that and get through it unscathed and, and to get through it you know um, more profitably and more successfully, uh, focus is is an important keyword as it comes to, you know relates to your services who your ideal clients are, um, and so forth. And then that kind of brings us to the second point, which is a kind of directly connected, and it's profitability. 
So this is not the time to do unprofitable work or to take big chances. Um, as an entrepreneur, right? We often we often take risks, but you really want to look at the risk and reward of of what you're doing these days, uh, because if you take a big risk uh, and you're you're not set up to weather that storm, if it doesn't pan out the way that you'd hoped, uh, you might be putting not only you know your paycheck on the line, but um, but your employees or your team members, if if you have a team. Uh, the other part of that is looking a little bit deeper. And when I talk about profitability, this is a great opportunity to run a bit of an analysis on profitability with kind of two segments. Uh, one is profitability of, of projects. So as we talked about with number one being focus, not all projects are, are created equal. And this is a good time to look at um, you know, and identify which projects, which what type of work is the most profitable and consider doing a lot more of that work, updating your messaging to focus more on that work you know, making more offers around that kind of work and just even focusing your content on on that kind of work as opposed to just taking on projects, even if they're higher revenue, but if they're not as profitable, um, that's an important consideration. And then likewise, not all clients are created equal. Um, you know, we, we took a client through an exercise on this and they were treating all their clients the same way. They were taking on kind of all projects as long as it kind of fell into the bucket of what they were good at doing. But when they went through this analysis of um, of client profitability, it became very clear that a certain type of client was actually making up the vast majority of their their profitability. Uh, and so once that kind of light bulb went on for them, that allowed them to go, well, yeah, we shouldn't even take projects that you know from these types of smaller clients, and we need to have a minimum uh, dollar project for us to you know to think about uh, engaging with somebody because below this, it just really eats up our time and erodes our profitability. Yeah. It can be attractive for folks who have employees to just take on work that's not super profitable just to so that you're comfortable making payroll and like, sure. okay, but that's really kicking the can down the road. Uh, so for folks who want to hear more about specializing in a particular kind of client in particular, uh, check out the Corey Quinn episode and the Geraldine Carter episode where they both talk about specializing on verticals and how they do that with their clients. But yeah, yeah. I totally, I could not agree more. I love how you're bringing in those past episodes for yeah, you're, uh, for you're checking all for these people. boxes, right? That's like <laughs> oh, that's know. great. Um, so that's that's number two is is focusing on on profitability. Number three is being flexible, uh, and so this might uh, kind of come across as well, like which one is it? But the reality is that if you are starting to see the you know your business slow, if your pipeline isn't as full as it was before, uh, if deals are are dragging on. Uh, you know, you want to be be flexible, and there's this can mean many different things. But for example, just to kind of share a few ideas, it might mean that if you had a previously, you would let's say take on projects that were a uh, hundred thousand dollars, and that was a, a typical engagement. Well, now you might need to look at well, how do we actually maybe restructure this and uh, and start with a twenty five thousand dollar engagement? So think like discovery offer, right. uh, or if there's four different phases of a, of a project. Maybe you just start with you know the first or or the second, or you kind of repackage that offering, and instead of trying to sell all four at once, you just sell the first the first two. So I, I'm not suggesting that people discount. That's not what this is about. It's not about you know making making less money or and just doing more work. This is about maybe repackaging or uh, shifting scope, working with the buyer and figuring out based on what they are able to do right now and what they're willing to do right now and what their their budget is. Um, you know, collaboratively figuring out how you can, again, by being flexible, you can make something work for both of you. Um, and, you know, in the past, 
people may have had the luxury where they didn't have to do that, where they could just stand firm, knowing there's lots of business, people were making decisions relatively faster, um, you know, a lot of money was being invested. If that's not the case in your industry right now, or if you're starting to see the signs of that, uh, being flexible uh, can really uh, be a good, you know, a good practice and uh, and benefit for for your company. Mm. Yeah, one way I've done this personally in the past is to offer uh, be flexible with my payment terms, mm-hmm. where you know normally I'd ask for 100 percent upfront, and then they would say like oh, we can't do that for whatever reason. Maybe it's cash mm-hmm. flow, maybe it's trust, whatever it is. Uh, so payment terms is something that that you can be flexible on work with the buyer to make it fit into the boxes that they need to fit it into uh, instead of just like you said just being like ah there'll be a new lead tomorrow i don't need to i don't need to stick to my guns here on payment terms or something like that Uh, but i also like your point about repackaging stuff which is it it could seem like that is a lack of focus but if you if you but it's not if you take Mm -hmm. something that it has been working and is relevant to your ideal types of clients. You prune down to like, say a a particularly profitable vertical or something like that. And you've got this offer that's been working. You've been delivering it in a particular way. You can rethink how you deliver it, break it into chunks like you're saying, or, or who knows what, like you could maybe market it differently. It's, I love the, you did say repackaging is exactly what I was thinking. It's like taking the Mm -hmm. same pills and putting them in a new bottle and, you, your activities in during the delivery phase might end up being the exact same thing. They probably will end up being the exact same thing. You're not creating an innovative new new service engagement. It you can stay focused on something that has been working and just change the way you talk about it, change the way you present it to the buyer, perhaps change the you know the way uh, the pay, the way the payment terms work or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? It's it's actually uh, it can be exciting. It's an opportunity for for you as a business owner to be creative uh, and think about how you can adjust some things, try some new things um, in terms of how you're positioning them to to get something to click and to work. Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite things to do, honestly, about my own business. <laughs> it's really right. fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's number three, and then number four, we kind of hit on this keyword uh, once a moment ago here. But it's it's the pipeline. Um, so this is the time to build it. This is the time to to lean in and and not lean away. Um, you know, focusing on on relationships and providing value. If your business has been coasting, maybe it's just been going well. Uh, you want to spend more time now on on building your pipeline. And I'm not talking about trying some new wild things um, on social media to get people's attention or hiring a social media person. Um, just to put out, you know, more content and just to get in front of more people, that's that's probably not going to work um, given this kind of environment. Because again, people are are more thoughtful in their, um, you know, how they're going about buying and and purchasing. Uh, but if you can leverage your network, if you can, you know, get more referrals and introductions, if you can create opportunities for the people that are in your network to to learn from you through a training, a webinar, some other format. Uh, if you can find ways to deliver more value and, and um, you know, strengthen the relationship with the people that you already have around you. So think past clients, current clients, prospective clients, uh, really focusing on the pipeline, focusing on doing follow-up. Um, that's really important right now uh, because you probably will need to get in front of more of the right people. So I'm not saying necessarily a, a ton of new people, although that certainly can be valuable. Um, but your frequency and your touch points, uh, this is a good opportunity and a, and a great time 
to to check in with people, to see how they're doing, to see how you might be able to support them, to offer them whether it's uh, even a free you know training or or something for them or for their teams, or maybe some kind of a paid engagement that is uh, relevant and timely based on what's happening in the world right now and what you know people in that specific industry are are thinking about. So a fo- really again focusing on the pipeline, being intentional with with it, being committed, making sure that you have a good plan for. Um, you know, activating your pipeline and, and following up and staying on top of it uh, is really, it's a best best practice to do all the time. But previously, you know, people may have been in a situation where they were just kind of coasting along. Um, they were full of work and yep. it was more an issue around capacity. Um, well, going forward, that may not necessarily be the case. And so rather than waiting until you wake up one day and going, oh, like my biggest <laughs> client just slashed our budget in half um, and now I don't know what to do. It's yeah. better if you can start putting your foot on the gas pedal and and, and pushing that accelerator uh, around your pipeline so that you can start to kind of accumulate the benefits of of compounding that comes from regular touch points and having a good uh, kind of marketing and relationship building system in place. Yeah, I mean, this is no matter what the situation is, this is good advice. Like this should be a piece of your process. Mm hmm. Uh, it, one, one last callback, look for the Ruben Swartz episode, uh, where we talk about CRMs and that sort of thing to help with tools for this kind of thing. But, um, but leading with value, this is the key piece here where, mm-hmm. you know, you could say to, for example, to a group of past clients who might be wrestling with something that, you know, you're aware of them wrestling with something, you like, you know, put together like a, a, a free private webinar just for your best clients and say like, Hey, you know, here's this thing. You know, everybody's thinking about AI right now. I know you're wondering about it too. What, you know, here's, I've done some research into this. I've done some, you know, and I think there's some pros and cons that, but there might be something valuable to you. You can join me here or watch the replay after, but you know, just do something like that. Even one thing I used to do a lot when I was consulting and I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of people, it was sort of when I was consulting, in the mobile strategy space, there was things were changing so fast from like 2010 to 2015 mm-hmm. that I could barely keep up with it. And that was, my full-time job was keeping up with what was going on so that when yeah. my customers had questions, my clients had questions or, or they had a situation I wanted to be super proactive about, like just filtering down to the things that were relevant to them and not the massive amount of noise. And so I would just, I would just share you know, I'd be listening to my podcast feed. I'd be reading my, you know, this is back in the RSS days with Feedly and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I just be I like, oh, that. you know, yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I should forward this to, you know, the guy, the guys at Client Bay, or I should, I should send this to the CEO of Client totally. D or, mm-hmm. you know, I, this isn't even a client, but we met at a conference and I would just like attune, attune myself as I was doing my own research that I had to do anyway. And there was, I just had this background process where part of my brain was always wondering who I could forward this to, whether they were past client or not, potential client or not. And I was really in the habit of, of uh, sort of bookmarking all these things. Then I would go through and say, Oh, I just got to send this to, you know, whatever, send this to Corey or whatever. And it was, it's amazing because and it's super critical, super critical to be doing this when you aren't desperate for work. Mm-hmm. It's the exactly. worst time to do this. It's so transparent and, and, awful to do this when you're like desperate for work you're like oh well because buyers can see it right they can they can sense it because your your messaging yeah it just hits on it from the front like from the start of when you reach out um 
people almost feel like it's that that bait and switch kind of thing, right? You put something in front of them, like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Oh, by the way, and then you're like, "Oh, wait a second, <laughs> so, <laughs> that doesn't feel like what I was, you know." Yeah, you rush it. It's too rushed. They can tell. So this is some. This this should be like flossing. You should do this every day. So have someone. If you have a team, have someone be doing this. But probably it should be you, mm-hmm. and be doing it. I, I want to say daily, but at least once a week. You know. Anyway, I, we could. I've talked about this quite a bit with Rochelle on on TVOA as well, where you know processes for keeping you know warm, just keeping relationships warm. Yeah, it's it's a very simple thing that has. Uh, provides you know incredible results but most people don't do it because they're just busy running mm-hmm. their businesses and uh, living life um, but as as we just kind of talked about if you leave this if you neglect this uh, when you actually really start needing the business and you want to grow your pipeline mm-hmm. uh, but you, you need it to happen soon that's like it's it's not that it's too late but uh, the sooner that you start this the sooner you'll start seeing results yeah don't don't let the garden die mm-hmm. <laughs> Cool. So, well, I know we're, I know we're coming up against time. So, could you tell folks where they can connect with you online? And maybe um, you mentioned before the call, you mentioned a, f- uh, a new ebook about fees or, or pricing that sounded really interesting. Yeah, uh, we're we're definitely getting a lot of questions from from people, given what's happening um, and kind of the environment that we're in around how th- they should be thinking about their uh, their pricing strategies and their their fees uh, for consulting and so forth. So. Uh, we put together uh, a guide that uh, really looks at how consultants um, should be charging and can think about charging uh, and being strategic with their pricing uh, for for 20, you know in 2023. Uh, so you can you can get that guide if you'd like. Uh, it's completely free uh, at consultingsuccess.com forward slash fees guide. Uh, so that's F E E S G U I D E. So consultingsuccess.com forward slash fees guide um, and you get uh, instant access to that guide if that would be helpful for you. Cool. I'll add that to the show notes, dear listeners, so you don't have to type it out. (laughs) Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining me, Michael. Hey, Jonathan, always enjoy our conversation. So thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.